Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, and bacon. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Brown, also from Connecticut. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. Yeah, and this shows a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. Reversing diabetes and depression. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We are definitely not doctors and we don't give medical advice. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and bacon. Yes, bacon. <laughs> we share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. This is a science-based show. Carl brings body science and I bring the food science. Right. So let's start podcast 150, Ask Carl and Carrie. So Carl, first, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Last week's show was 149. Happy New Year. No, nope, no apologies. We just move on. Yay, moving on. But before we start, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Right. Well, a ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you in a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way I did it was to limit my carbohydrates to 20 grams or less every day, enjoy a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all my energy comes from fat. Did you say fat? Yes, fat. <laughs> if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com. So, Carrie, what's new with you? Well, um, we started a new year. Yes. Yay for New Year's. And I know there's um, people who, you know, are kind of tired of the whole resolution thing and it's just another day and you can start any day and all of that. And, mm. and that's all true. But I don't know. I I just I do find that that for me, just that kind of boundary of of a new year is just just exciting. Yes, it is, and all of that good stuff. So yes, you can change your life on any given day, but um, I'm just I love the the rigor that having a calendar that that gives you places to start. Hmm. gives. So we had a new year. Uh, 2018 was an amazing year for me. And um, I'm really looking forward to 2019 being even more amazinger. I just made that word up. I think it's going to be amazinger, sure. Um, <laughs> so one of the highlights of my week was uh, I did some rubber ducking with Amber O'Hearn the carnivore queen. We had a, a rip-roaring chat on the phone, her in Colorado and me in Connecticut. Um, love, love, love Amber. And 
she was sharing with me about her carnivory conference that's in March. Oh, right. So if you are interested in the whole carnivore thing and you would like to hang out and uh, eat steak (laughs) (laughs) with a whole bunch of keto carnivores, then check out the link in the show notes. We have a link to Amber's carnivory conference that she's putting on in denver in march yeah it's right before low carb denver starts it is so if you're going to low carb denver you might want to just tack on another so there are still a few tickets to the carnivory conference left if you want to look into that the link is in the show notes so that was one of the highlights of my week cool i also a personal highlight was plumbing plumbing i have new plumbing now not me my house oh (laughs) The plumber so. came and <laughs> and I'm very excited that I now have a nest because my plumber gave gave me a new thermostat and people are like, why is your plumber installing a thermostat? And I'm like, I've got a really cool plumber. Oh, I thought he found a bird nest in the basement or something. That- <laughs> no, so my plumber <laughs> a installed a nest and I, I was way more excited than I probably should have been about being able to turn mm. – the furnace on from my car while I was driving home the other day. <laughs> right, yeah. Or program it to shut on, shut off at different times. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that was uh, plumbing and amber were, and, and the fact that we have a new year and it's a bright, sparkly new year and it's going to be more amazing than last year. Um, it, that was really, really my week. I've been hammering away at uh, new recipe posts. I've got a whole bunch of new delicious easy simple recipes that are going up on the blog uh over the coming months so that's what i've mostly been working on that's cool you wanted to mention your facebook group too because we don't we have a forum we um we being richard and me uh moved off of facebook and into a forum but you actually have a group i do have a group and um and it's a lovely group so if you are, and I actually added Carl's name to it uh, now, so you'll you'll know which group it is because it's the only one with Carl Franklin in the in the header <laughs> picture. But um, for those of you who miss the Facebook group of of times gone, or who are Facebook people, not forum people, there is a place that you can come and hang out. It's called the Keto Kitchen. The link is in the show notes. And and we do focus on, and this might be useful for you to know, that we, we actually focus on the food, the recipes, the kind of the practical application of all that glorious science that Richard and Carl have shared with you over the years. Yep. We, we, our group is more focused on the practical application. So, okay, the science is awesome. I understand it. I get it. But what do I actually eat? Right. So it's most, it's 90% about food and sharing great recipes and helping people to cook um, and, and all the food things. Yeah. So Carl, what's new with you? Well, uh, you know, like most of us, I know many people who overindulged during the holidays, and I did that too. Woo-hoo! But I managed to do a 36-hour fast starting New Year's Day after I after I had a prime rib breakfast, of course. And some cheese? <laughs> Where was the cheese? Or had, or had all that last week's double Gloucester been consumed? Oh, yeah, it's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've had very little coffee and very little alcohol, and my blood sugars returned to normal. Happy day. So, happy day. 
and I've started another 36-hour fast to beat my insulin down, and I've got a gig tomorrow night, which I plan to do fasted. We're recording this on Friday the 4th, so I've already done the gig by the time you hear this, but I, I just really love playing and singing at the top of my lungs when I'm fasted. I hit higher notes, my fingers work better, it's just great. So your food bills are going to be like 50 cents this week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm um uh, and I'll tell you next week how much I enjoyed the show, but I'm also planning on going to the show. Yeah, that's cool. We will have been to by the time you listen to this. Um this will be my first experience of um being a Carl Franklin groupie at one of his gigs. <laughs> so I'm um I'm super excited about that and I might even wear my new hat that uh Jan in California knitted for me and sent to me. And oh, yes. if you've been on, on the podcast for a while, you'll know exactly what that hat looks like, even though this <laughs> is radio. Uh, also, of course, I've been working with our team, uh, Daisy and Ben and some other people to get some new graphics and social media going. Um, you know, we're making changes here and I'm really looking forward to what the future brings. Me too. 2019 is going to be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, we're not giving away treasure troves of stuff anymore, as we said in the last show, but we are giving away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to a lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And uh, Carrie, the new mugs have your mug on them, not Richard's. So <laughs> yeah, so anyone who has a mug, it's a collector's item. That's um, that's hysterical. I just, I can't wait to see. I haven't seen a mug yet. I can't wait. That's, um, yeah, I, that's the funniest thing ever. Almost as funny as being referred to as a ditzy blonde this week. That was another highlight. Oh, yeah. Well, now you've arrived. I when feel like I've arrived you, now. You know? <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> so today's winner is David Lee. Yay, David. Yeah. Now, you you will have the first off the press mug Um with my face on it. That's so right. So you will, uh, maybe, maybe I should somehow, if you come to Keto Fest or there's any way you can get to us, we'll get a permanent marquee and I'll autograph it. So <laughs> that'll be the first one of the production run. Right. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. All right. Well, usually this is the place in the show where Richard and I would typically do some, uh, mail! However, oh, I feel like however, I should say mail in British. <laughs> but we are not doing mail this week because the whole show is questions from uh, our listeners. All the mail. All the mail. It's all mail today. It's an all mail show. M-A-I-L. So uh, right. for Ask Carl and Carrie, we, we put up a, a, a website, ask.2keto.com. And if you have questions for us at any time, you can just go there and fill it out. We may or may not answer them. Yeah, right. So I'll read the first one. Uh, the first one is, I'm confused about starving yourself, bad, versus EF, extended fasting, good. What's the difference? On the same note, eat to satiety versus make sure you get in all your calories and macros on feasting days versus don't eat if you're not hungry. Which is it? Keto is very contradictory. Well, since you're the you're the you're the body science part of this outfit, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've had I've had these questions 
constantly. I have them all the time. And uh, I remember the first time we interviewed Jason Fung, and I asked him, so why is it that, you know, you we, we tell people that they need to eat one to one and a half grams of protein a day for every kilogram of lean body mass, but when you fast, you don't eat any protein. Uh, so maybe that is an artificial number? What's going on here? And uh, he basically told me, just the body recycles protein. And this is really what happens. It's a process called autophagy. But in order to get that process going and not calorie restrict and not do all the things that are like fasting, you have to not eat anything. If there's any sort of protein in your diet, autophagy stops. So it really takes a good 18 to 20 hours to get this process going. And the body basically says, oh, there's no protein coming in. Let me see what I can find around the house to use as protein. And this is exactly what happens. So then it all made sense after, after we talked about autophagy and all that. So it's either one or the other. Either you should eat and eat to satiety and stop when you're full, right? And mostly fat, of course, if you're doing keto. Or you should not eat anything. But to do it halfway in the middle confuses the body. It's, uh, it, it, it's called calorie restriction. And, the, and instead of saying, we have nothing, I'll see what I can have around the house, the body says, oh, I got a little bit, but it looks like we're, you know, it looks like I'm not going to get enough. So it's not enough to kick in autophagy. So what happens is the body sort of dials down the thermostat and tries to get by with less fuel because it doesn't have enough fuel. So that means turning down the metabolic rate or the rate at which you burn calories. So that's what you want to avoid. Uh, lowering your metabolic rate, so that therefore you want to eat when you're going to eat and fast when you're going to fast. Does that help? Helped me. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's a little bit contradictory, but uh, you know it, it does make sense when you think about autophagy. So the, the takeaway is that you've got to, it's kind of all or nothing. Yeah, that's right. When you're when you're eating, you need to eat and uh, and and get your metabolic rate up. And when you're when you're trying to limit what you eat, you should most definitely eat nothing because then your body has a chance to recycle junky proteins that are in you know white blood cells and and organelles in the cells. Um, there's no evidence of this, but it seems that people that fast on a ketogenic diet on a regular basis don't have loose skin. Whereas like Dr. Fung said, his patient, none of his patients have loose skin. Whereas people who just um, go on a keto diet and lose a lot of weight or calorie restrict tend to have it. And, you know, it kind of makes sense because loose skin is a, there, there's protein in there that can be recycled. Oh, and because they're not fasting, the recycling process is not kicking in. It's not happening. Yeah. And 18 hours? Yeah, 18 to 20 hours is when it when it starts. It peaks at about uh, day three, according to the Funkster. The Funkster. Yeah, and I'll post a link to uh, some science. This um, scientist, Yoshinori Oshumi, 
got the Nobel Prize in 2016 in physiology or medicine, quote, for his discoveries of mechanisms for autophagy. So, uh, yeah, he basically won a Nobel Prize for figuring out autophagy, which literally means self-eating. Wow, I'm going to have to read that. So when you do a fast, Carl, and you said you're you're in your second one for this week, right? Do you do you drink water? Do you drink oh, black yes. coffee? Do you drink what do you do? Well, I used to drink black coffee, but then I found it was spiking my blood sugar. So um, have well, you moved it, to decaf? Because I did read this week um, one of my coaches told me that caffeinated coffee just on its own can spike. Insulin. Well, some people seem to be more sensitive to it than others, and some coffees, or you know, tend to be uh, tend to be more of a problem than others. So, I noticed that when I went to Starbucks and got a decaf americano, I was fine all day. Um, but you know, contrast that to what I was doing before, which was drinking half calf, but like you know, six, seven cups a day which is going to add up. So it could be just caffeine. It could be the type of coffee. I'm not really, I don't really know. But so essentially, if, if coffee doesn't spike your blood sugar, that's great. Um, I drink water and salt. And usually when I'm starting a fast, if I have a problem with hunger or whatever, I might put some heavy cream in my coffee. But um, generally speaking, uh, these days now, I just go right to fasting. Water, salt, and also, I use uh, fasting drops, um, you know, magnesium, water-soluble magnesium, potassium. Get your electrolytes. And also, Dr. Fung talks about people who should not fast, and those are people who are pregnant or breastfeeding, um, kids, children, and uh, anyone who has any kind of malnourishment, you know, uh, problems. Also, you should have 7% body fat or higher because obviously what happens when you go, when you fast, it's sort of like the ultimate ketogenic diet. You, you get into ketosis faster and you, uh, your ketone levels are probably going to be higher, especially if you're just doing it for the first time. I have never been a good faster. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that um, I'm not fasting these days is those of you who know, I've been battling Lyme disease, uh, Epstein-Barr, and a bunch of other bacterially, virally, parasitic-y things. Mm. Um, so the, I'm taking a lot of supplements right now, and I can't take those without food, because if I do, I bring them all back up again. So, <laughs> Well, it's so interesting you should bring up bacterial infections, because I made a bacterial infection go away with a three-day fast. And I'll put a link to the blog post about this too. I had a cellulitis on my skin, and um, I asked Dr. Barry, who's my doctor, Ken Barry. We love Ken Barry. Yeah, I asked him if he didn't mind if before I went in for antibiotics if I um, tried a, a fast, and he said, "No, go ahead." So I did, and, and there's pictures of how it cleared up. That's awesome. It was pretty amazing. And I had done some research. There was a, a study, albeit a mouse study, and I'm not so keen on mouse studies because we're not mice. Really? But it seemed, it seemed to sort of make sense. So they took these mice and split them randomly into two groups. And one group they infected with a viral infection, the other group with a bacterial infection. 
and they fed them. And the ones with the bacterial infection died and the ones with the viral infection didn't. And then they took another group of the same type of mice, same thing, half viral infection, half bacterial infection, and then they starved them. They fasted them. And the ones with the bacterial infection survived and the ones with the viral infection died. So I thought that was really kind of interesting. It is. The other thing uh, for people who don't know me, uh, one of the things I have to do to control my bipolar 2 disorder or to keep it gone is I have to take methylated B vitamins and mm. I also can't take those without food. Ah. So I'm still, I'm trying to figure out how I can do the the fasting thing and, and keep right. everything else kind of keep doing everything else I need to do. So it, I'm hoping in a in a month or two I'll be off all of the bug killers and, and mm. all of the – none of them are pharmaceutical, um, but all of the, the things I'm doing to take care of that, which will just leave me with the methylated B vitamins and then hopefully I can come up with, with something that, that I can do to – or maybe I can do a one-day or a two-day fast – and still be okay mm. because my brain has been so balanced for over three years now. Um, yeah. So I may have to experiment with that. But I'd be interested to hear what happens. I I, th I throw that in um, in case there's anyone else out there who's also you know has to take supplements and is like, how can I do a fast? So you know, you're, if that's you, you're not alone, and I'm I'll let you know how if I can figure out how to to make that all happen. Sure. All right. So you got a question? I do. And I'm not, I'm, this is the question. I'm currently roasting a five pound boneless leg of lamb. Mm. Yum. Lamb uh, is my favorite. I love lamb. I love lamb. Um, growing up in England, lots of lambs in England mm. and uh, lamb roast. In fact, I think growing up, I ate more lamb roast lamb than I did roast beef. So wow. in England is covered with sheep. And of course, anyone who lives in Wales knows that there are more sheep than people. <laughs> um, so what are some ideas for what to do with the cooked meat when done? I don't want to just be eating slices of lamb as much as I do like it. So would love some thoughts on other dishes to make with the cooked meat. Wow. So, this is uh, this. I hope this answer helps you, or at least steers you in the right direction. However, I don't currently have any lamb recipes on the blog, and I'll tell you why. Lamb is when I first moved over to the U.S. Lamb was rare as chook's teeth. <laughs> That's a little bit of Australian <laughs> slang, just because we're missing Richard. Right. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and when you could find lamb here in the US, it was staggeringly expensive. Right. So, but it's very recently, lamb is becoming much more available. Here in Connecticut, where Carl and I are, you can find lamb, at least lamb chops now, and sometimes a rack of lamb and sometimes lamb roasts in virtually every single grocery store. Sure. They will have lamb. And the prices are 
going, I've got lamb chops for $3.99 a pound. Yeah. I can regularly get them for $4.95, $4.99 or $5.99 a pound. Mm. So now that the lamb is is becoming much more available and much more um, budget-friendly, I am going to start working on some lamb recipes. I don't have any currently, but I can guide you with a few tips on what goes well with lamb. So maybe you can start concocting your own things. For me, when I eat lamb at the moment, I literally um, pan fry or saute shoulder chops or leg chops. And I will, I will have two so which is they're normally around half a pound each with all the bones in mm. so i will normally cook up two lamb chops that weigh a pound between them by the time i finished um you know not eating the bone i'm probably down <laughs> to about i don't know half to three quarters of a pound of meat so and that will be dinner for me and that's something i love to do um, but here's some ideas of things, of flavors that go really, really well with lamb so that you can start about maybe making a fresh herb gravy or a fresh herb sauce or, a, you know, a heavy cream and fresh, fresh herb reduction would be super simple. And you can change those up depending on what mood you're in for what herb you want. So things that go well with lamb, basil. Hmm. Bay leaf, butter. Butter goes very well of with lamb, and we all like a bit of butter. Oh yeah. Uh, cardamom. Cardamom, incidentally, is my favorite favorite spice. If you haven't tried cardamom, I highly recommend that you do. It goes very well with lamb. It's part of the Moroccan spice blend that goes really well with lamb, even cinnamon and cumin, which I bet are on your list. Uh, we're coming. We're, I'm still in the seas. <laughs> You're in the seas. So cheese, but the, the how do I say, the tangier cheeses go well with lamb. So your blue yeah. cheese, your feta, feta, your parmesan, your ricottas, those kind of cheeses go really, really well with lamb. Cinnamon, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Cinnamon goes really well with lamb. Um, also coriander and cumin. So those, yes, those kind of Moroccan spices go really, really well with lamb. Mm. Curry powder also goes really, really well with lamb. So if you like curries, um, you might swap out a, a meat that you would typically use and use some of that, that lamb meat that you've cooked, use some of that in a curry instead um goes very very well with lamb so that might be something else you can try and if you're going to reheat by the way if you've cooked a roast and it's already like a perfect medium rare and you're going to reheat it i would suggest using a sous vide uh, a precision cooker and a nova precision cooker there's lots of sous vide items now like around a hundred dollars because then you can just put all your ingredients in a sealed bag with your sauces and your curries or whatever and drop it in, uh, you know, 133, 134 Fahrenheit um, bag, and it'll never go beyond medium rare, but all the flavors will combine and it will heat up nicely. Right. Other things that go well with lamb, fennel. Yeah. Fennel goes really well with lamb. So um, you, could, um, you could do something really simple, like slice up some a fennel bulb, 
saute that in butter, chop some of that roasted meat, mm. um, make a, a quick cream reduction, mm. toss the lamb in, heat it up. Super simple, super fast. Yep. Fennel and lamb go really, really well together because cooking doesn't have to be long or complicated or or fancy. If you get great fresh food yes. and add the right flavors to each other, you can have a really stunning dish in, you know, 10 minutes. So Agreed. fennel, garlic, garlic goes really, really well with lamb. Oh, yeah. Ginger, lemon, if you like lemons, lemons go well with lamb too. And of course, the perennial favorite, which is what I grew up on, is mint. We always had, whenever we had roast lamb at home, we always, in fact, I was the mint sauce girl. I always <laughs> got to make, and I made mint sauce from scratch from like three years old. Wow. We had, we grew our own mint in the yard and I would make a very, very simple mint sauce, which of course you, you'd have to switch out the sugar, which was basically a good quality vinegar, a whole bunch of finely chopped mint, fresh mint leaves. Yep. And sugar to sweeten. So, of course, we would use xylitol or erythritol, whatever sweetener of choice. Yep. Very, very simple. Just mix that up, let it marinate for, for half an hour, and put that on your roast lamb. That was what I grew up doing. Mint and lamb are just fabulous. Mustard goes really, really well with lamb. Sure. Nice tang. Onions. Orange. I know we we don't drink orange juice or eat oranges but you know add a little bit of juice and some zest, zest to a sauce would be fabulous with lamb oregano yes. or for the the brits the brits here oregano <laughs> <laughs> parsley really good flavor profile with lamb pepper rosemary is another thing oh rosemary is it for me most of the herbs will go really, really real with your lamb. For me, it's rosemary, garlic, lemon juice, lemon zest. That is salt and pepper. That That's yep. my go-to spice for lamb. All of those things together. Yep. Fabulous for lamb. Sage also goes well with mm. lamb. Sage grows really, really, really well in Connecticut, I found. Mm. I, I, I almost got, it's like the sage triffid that's living on my deck right now. <laughs> um, tarragon, yeah. my favorite. Favorite herb is tarragon. Love goes tarragon. really well with lamb. If you don't know tarragon, we'll probably do a show on tarragon at some point because it's my favorite. Mm. Um, thyme yep. also. Tomatoes, although obviously, you know, if you go crazy on the tomatoes, they can get a bit carby. So bear that in mind. But tomatoes go very well with lamb, mm -hmm. vinegar, and also wine. If you like cooking with alcohol, um, lamb and wine go really, really well. A good Pinot Noir. So that's given you a whole bunch of flavor profile options to play with. And I will be working on some lamb recipes this year because lamb has become affordable and available. Hmm. One of the other great things about lamb, why I love lamb so much is, apart from the, the taste, is that it pretty much it's it's going to be grass fed it you know they're not right. they're not herding sheep into pens and force feeding them corn and other nefarious grains right so it's a by default lamb is a much better option um just because of the way sheep are raised 
And most of the lamb in the stores here in Connecticut are actually, it's lamb that's imported from New Zealand. And of right. course, New Zealand is covered in a billion acres of fresh grass. So that's what they eat. All right. I got another one. Uh, this one's from the UK. My mom and dad tried about two years ago uh, going keto. And while they love the health benefits, my mom's gallbladder reacted and she had to stop eating fat. She really suffered and ended up being told by her GP that she may need her gallbladder to be removed. So I'd be interested in hearing how common this problem is for people who've been low fat for decades and then up their fat intake. Also, if anyone can advise how to manage this situation and still be keto, thanks so much for all you guys do. Kirsty. Well, Kirsty, um, we talked about this a little bit on the last show with Richard. Uh, and, and the reason this happens is because the if you think about what the gallbladder does, it holds bile salts. So uh, those bile salts are squirted out by the gallbladder when you eat fat. And uh, it, it helps emulsify the fat, break it down so that it can enter the system. And when you don't have, when you don't eat fat, you, your gallbladder atrophies like it, it doesn't get used and like all muscles that don't get used they they tend to um you know go soft and when but it, what ends up actually happening is the the bile sort of crusts around the bile ducts and that's when gallstones can happen and when it breaks off and forms stones and it can be very painful right so essentially what's happened is the gallbladder um has dysfunction because it hasn't been used enough. And so it, it's sort of a cautionary tale that, you know, humans were meant to eat more fat than we have been eating in the last 100 years or 50 years anyway, since the low-fat dogma took over. So how to manage it um, and how to eat fat when you don't have a gallbladder or when you have these painful episodes the, I, I think, I don't have this problem, right? We know people who don't have gallbladders. Kim Howerton doesn't have a gallbladder. She's been keto for years. And we and love she, Kim Howerton. Oh, sure. And she has never really had a problem, but there are some people that do. And so what has been suggested is that you try eating small amounts of fat over a period of time. At first, you know, to get your gallbladder working again and to get, get things happening. Um, and if you don't have a gallbladder, your, your liver still makes bile, but it's like a steady drip. It doesn't collect in a bladder and then squirt out all at once when it need, you know, when you, when you need a lot, when you eat a lot of fat and when you need more. So, then naturally the idea is to try limiting the amount of fat that you eat at any one time and then see what that ratio is, how much per time you can stand, right, without having disaster pants or whatever. And, you know, the hope is that you can gradually ramp that up. So I would, I would try that. And, uh, and, and Kirsty definitely write us back and let us know how it goes with your yes. mom. Yes. Yes. And hopefully that helps. Um, you might also, um, reach out to Kim. Kim Howerton is all over social media. She's in, 
uh, our Facebook group, the Keto Kitchen. So if you don't know Kim and you want to you want to connect with her, then um, she's awesome. I'm sure she could uh, help you understand how how it's been for her. So there's another question for me. Uh, Carrie, how did getting your DNA results lead you to discover your mental health issues were caused by the MTHFR gene? And what did you do to turn that gene's effects down? So I got my DNA and I had been reading a lot online about um, bipolar and, and mental health issues, you know, for years, because when you suffer from something like that, all you want to do is for it to end one way or the other. And so I'd read a lot about it and the term MTHFR had just kept coming up and I read more and more about it. So when I got, when I, when, when I sent off to get my DNA done, I when I was looking at the results, I actually knew that MTHFR was something I needed to check on. Because if you, if you go read about MTHFR, the number of, of diseases and symptoms that it is implicated in is huge. Uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all of the mental health issues, like there's just a whole host of stuff that methylation has a part in in playing in our bodily processes. So if you're not methylating correctly, I, I, I mean, it's chaos can ensue. So I knew to look for MTHFR from, from reading previously. So when my DNA came, that was the first thing I looked for. And I got my re methylation report. And sure enough, I was not surprised, but I did find out that... Um, I am heterozygous on C six seven seven. I think that is the one, hmm. but that that isn't what's really important. What's important is my symptoms, because as you say, uh, whoever asked this question, you 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 made an important point when you said, "What did you do to turn that gene's effects down?" And why that's important is because if you're looking at your DNA. So a lot of people send off for their DNA and they look mm. at it and they see all these things that say, oh, you know, you're, you have a higher propensity to get this or that right. or, or anything else, right? And you can go, oh my goodness, you know, oh, I'm going to get right, right, prostate right. cancer or oh my goodness, I'm going to get that. But that's not how it works. And so there's a lot of people who are doing their DNA now, and I'm a big fan of that, but you need to, to, to reverse the way you're looking at things. So if you get your DNA done and it turns out that you have the MTHFR genetic mutation like I do, that doesn't mean that you actually have to do anything about it. You only have to do anything about it if you have symptoms. Right. So, so genetic DNA analysis should be symptom-driven. Nothing on your DNA report should be a concern to you unless you have symptoms. So you should look at your symptoms and then go, okay, I have all these symptoms. What on my DNA could be playing into those symptoms? Makes sense. So you need to reverse the way you look at this. Um, so what I did to, so 
obviously with me, I had the symptoms. I looked at my DNA. I had MTHFR chaos all over the place. So that was how I knew to, to start working on those things. The two things I did to turn the, the genes effects down, and I know that the, the genes effects have been turned down because I no longer, and I haven't had for three years, I've had no symptoms of bipolar disorder for over three years now. So I know I've switched it off. I take methylated B vitamins and I also take, uh, and I eat keto. So I keep my ketones high. I, uh, well, I try to, and I take methylated B vitamins. I also have to work very hard on detox. And I know a lot of you, especially those of you who love the science are going, no, but and we'll yeah, that's cover a trigger that. word for me. That, 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 that is, and, and I understand that. And, and in a later show, hopefully we can talk about that and I can tell you why detox is a thing for some of us. It is a thing for me because of my MTHFR makes it very difficult for my liver. Well, you to- could say it a different way, right? I mean, you could say some of your liver function that filters doesn't work. Right. So my liver doesn't do what, people without this genetic wrinkle, you you all have livers that do the detoxing, right? That's what livers are supposed to do. Mine doesn't, it just doesn't do that very well. So I do need help. So I do actually have Mm. to do things that help me detox because I can't do it on my own. So saying that nobody needs to detox is like saying to a type one diabetic, oh, you don't need insulin. You have a pancreas. Right. Right. So it's the same thing. Saying to me, you don't need to detox, you have a liver is a ridiculous thing to say to me because my liver doesn't do a very good job of detoxing on its own. Are are there any other vitamins or nutrients that need methylation that because you have that gene doesn't work? Or is it simply B vitamins? So my understanding, but that may be because that that's what it is for me is B vitamins. Mm-hmm. I have other genetic wrinkles, so I don't do I don't process vitamin A very well. Oh. So um, I also have to supplement with vitamin A because my body can't turn can't do the process that turns carotenoids into vitamin A myself. So oh. there's other things, but that's not to do with methylation. For me, oh, okay. the 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 things that I do to turn down my MTHFR gene effects are methylated B vitamins, and you have to find your own dosage. It will not be the same for everybody. Mm. So you do have to work with someone to find out what your level of supplementation needs to be. And there are people who who don't need to, to take methylated B vitamins forever. You can take them and kind of kickstart yourself and then you don't need to do them anymore. And, um, and also the, the ketogenic diet. So those are the two things that I did yeah, to turn good. my genes off. Awesome. Hey, I kind of like this, this Q and a thing. <laughs> here's a, here's a question. Um, there's a conflict of information about keto. Some say calories do not matter, and others say for weight loss, you still have to reduce calories. They're just more satisfying because of the fat. Is it dependent on the individual? Thoughts on the truth? Okay. This is like <laughs> this is like the, uh, you know, this is what people get into fist fights over on Facebook and on the forums. And everybody's right. The, the difference is your perspective, okay? 
First of all, we are all physiologically pretty much, unless we have dysfunction, the same people, right? So variation from people to people isn't so much a thing as variation from the state of person A to the state of person B. And by that, I mean, what is your metabolic state? Are you insulin resistant? Are you insulin sensitive? Are you... A girl or are you a boy? Right, sure. You know, um, are you fat adapted? Are you not fat adapted? Are you overweight? Have you yo-yo dieted That's 10 times, right. 20 times? That's right. Three times, never. Right. And and more importantly, what is your metabolic rate? What, you know, if you talk about calories in, calories out, what is your calories out? Because that's not a constant. And people, people think, some people think that it's constant for everyone. And therefore, if you just limit your calories in and, you know, maybe exercise some more to run your, to expend your calories out or amp that up, everything's going to be fine. And that's just not the way it goes. You can actually reduce your calories out by exercising if you're uh, in that state. So for somebody who is, you know, overweight, diabetic, insulin resistant, is just starting keto, to tell them uh, to restrict their calories is is so counterintuitive and, and so wrong. They need to get their metabolic rate up. And to do that, they need to eat fat and lower carbohydrates. Because what you're, and essentially we, we've talked about the physiology of how this works a million times, but insulin is the key. When insulin is low, um, more fat can be released from fat cells than when it is high. When it's high, a little bit of fat gets released from fat cells, but not very much. And as Richard Morris says, it's about as close to a uh, binary switch as you can get in physiology, but it's not 100%. But just for, for the sake of argument, let's just say insulin has to be low to get a dramatic fat loss that everybody's looking for. And so you do that by restricting carbohydrates, but you have to eat fat to increase your metabolic rate. You have to, you have to get that furnace going, right? So if that's if you're insulin resistant, you're diabetic, you lose all your weight, you plateau, you figure out what to do there. But let's, let's not talk about the plateau yet. Let's go to the other extreme. Let's go to somebody who is um, lean, and doesn't have a lot of body fat and is very active because, you know, maybe they work out, maybe they exercise in the gym or whatever, they can actually safely lower their metabolic rate by calorie restriction. And it actually works because they don't have the body fat to lean on. What happens when they eat carbohydrates is their glucose goes up and the insulin comes out to uh, clear it the glucose goes down and the insulin goes down. So their insulin isn't high very often. And that is the normal state if you're fit. For, for people who are insulin resistant and diabetic, that's not what happens. You eat some carbohydrates, your glucose goes up, the insulin comes up to cover it, and it takes longer for the glucose to come down and the insulin stays high for a long time. And chronic high insulin means you don't have an opportunity to burn the fat that's in your fat cells. So, so at the end of the day, calories in, calories out is an observation of how things work, but it's not a, it's not a rule that says you should restrict your calories 
if you want to lose weight. That's what it is. It's, it's like uh, when the toilet overflows and there's water all over the floor, you, you know, the plumber wouldn't come in and say, ah, well, the problem is there's more water going in the toilet than is going down the drain, right? Okay, that's brilliant, but it doesn't tell you how to fix it. Right. It's also, it's also ridiculous to, for anyone to, to think that 300 calories of coconut oil will have the same effect on your body as 300 calories of protein or 300 calories of broccoli or 300 calories of donut. So it, you know, it calorie, a calorie is not a calorie. It's a measure. It's a unit of heat, but it's not to say that it doesn't matter what your calories are made of is absurd. Yeah. Okay. One last question, Carrie. One last question is, um, and I actually remember who this was from. This was from Linda Peterson, who's, um, yes, a a wonderful friend of mine who I abandoned in Eastern Washington when I moved over to Connecticut and, uh, and I miss her smiley, happy face. And I also miss her, her puppy. She had a wonderful great Pyrenees puppy that, uh, used to, lie on me when I went to visit. Anyway, so uh-huh. Linda asks, are either of you experimenting with allulose yet? And if you mm. are, what are your thoughts? Will any of your recipes contain allulose or advice on substituting it for the oils? Alcohol. And yeah. I can I can talk to for both of us because Sure. Mr. Franklin has been at my house and demanded mm-hmm. allulose. So I know he's using allulose. Um Yes, I am. I have been trialing allulose extensively and I am going to start using allulose. Um, but I'm trying to find a way. This might sound weird. You're just going to have to live with weird until I get some recipes and get some more, uh, experimenting done. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to reduce the amount of allulose you have to use to get the right result because mm money because yeah. allulose is stupidly expensive it's about 11 12 dollars a pound right, right now. now because nobody's buying it because it's new and not a lot of people know about it so it's crazy expensive and when i develop recipes my remit is always to try and keep the cost down because we don't you know if if you're we don't want to get you to go keto and then you've got this huge financial problem to deal with. So <laughs> right. I do think about cost when I'm developing recipes. So I'm trying to work out how I can get the benefits of allulose, but keep the cost down. But yes, Linda, Carl uses allulose and he loves it. Especially in ice cream. The The taste of allulose is scarily like sugar and I'm mm. a genetically a super taster and the first time I tried granular allulose I was just like wait did I order yeah. the wrong thing <laughs> like what and the powdered allulose is it is you would not know in a no. blind taste test I don't believe that you could taste the difference between that and Agreed. real sugar yeah so allulose is remarkable the allulose syrups are crazy um, but it's just the expense. So I'm, I'm working on that right now. So the answer is yes, 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 yes. Yep. Coming soon. Right. 
Well, uh, that's uh, our question and answer. Did did you have an extra one you wanted to answer? Just Karen? just one, and it's really quick. And and the question is, who's your favorite trucker? Trucker. Uh, trucker. And, like and, and truck I driver. Ha- uh, yes. So that was the question, and the answer is Yogi Parker. And the reason I'm telling you all about Yogi is because Yogi is a keto trucker. And he makes the most amazing keto concoctions in the cab of his truck. He drives <laughs> around. He only goes home twice a year. So he's on the road pretty much all year. He makes the most amazing keto things in the cab of his truck. And um, I met Yogi. He actually had to truck something into Connecticut. And so I went to the truck stop and met him and we hung out <laughs> and had dinner. And he is the coolest guy. He's a super cool. nice guy. He travels with his dog and he makes amazing recipes. So we're now posting Yogi's truck cab recipes on my blog at carriebrown.com. That so is so cool. If you are a trucker, or if you like like camp food, if you're camp cooking, um, or if you think that keto requires a lot of fancy equipment or a big kitchen or any of that, go look at Yogi's recipes on <laughs> my website because the stuff he produces is ridiculous. And if Great. Yogi can cook how he does on the road, nobody else has an excuse ever for staying <laughs> keto under any conditions. So I just, so my favorite trucker is Yogi Parker, and hopefully he's going to become your favorite trucker too. Because That's when awesome. you, you try some of his recipes, you're going to be a fan. So. Awesome. Well, you know, speaking of recipes, this is the part in the show where Richard and I would scream at the top of our lungs and we'd play the music and we'd both share a recipe. But, you know, since we've got Carrie Brown on the show now, I think we ought to just let her do it. So, because, you know, frankly, I don't have as many recipes as Carrie does and she has a lot to share. So, Carrie, it's time for the recipe of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this week we're gonna cook something and i know um that a lot of people are doing carnivore this month um that dr berry has got people doing carnivore all over the place so mm. i thought that i would do for those who aren't doing carnivore this is actually it's it's kind of carnivore heavy but it's not completely carnivore but for those okay. of you who who kind of have had your fill of the sweet things and the and the keto pizzas and all the crazy i thought we'd do a really simple tasty focus on the meat kind of recipe to Sounds get good. 2019 kicked off and also with a prep time of 5 minutes um it it's really it re- takes some cooking time but the prep time is really quick And I have it on good authority that it's really, really, really delicious. So it's called Montana Hash, and it's an easy, hearty, tasty one-pan meal that your whole family are going to love. And um, I don't like doing dishes ever at all. So one-pan dishes are a big win for me. I don't know about you all, but I love me a one-pan dish. So you're going the the recipe the link to the recipe will of course be in the show notes. Yeah. So you don't have to write this down, but you're gonna need uh, a tablespoon of avocado oil or coconut oil. You're gonna need four cloves of 
fresh garlic, which you're going to crush. Three and a half ounces. The metric uh, equivalents are all on the blog. Yep. So I'm not going to take up time doing those. So three and a half ounces of finely chopped onion, three ounces of finely chopped green pepper, a pound of uh, ground beef or minced beef for those of you outside of the US, 10 ounces of riced cauliflower, two teaspoons of Dijon mustard, two teaspoons of salt, some ground black pepper, two tablespoons of tomato paste, a cup of beef stock, a third of a cup of heavy cream, Mm. and two ounces of cheddar cheese but i won't get crazy if you like double the cheese if that's your thing (laughs) so or triple the cheese or just grate as much cheese as you want on at the end yeah so it's super simple you're going to heat the avocado or coconut oil over medium heat you're going to add the crushed garlic the chopped onion the green pepper you're going to saute for five minutes until softened you're going to add the ground beef and saute for a further five minutes until it's no longer pink breaking up the meat into small pieces with a spatula as it cooks because mm. ground beef mm. tends to kind of clump together. You're going to add the rice cauliflower, the mustard, the salt, pepper, the tomato paste, the beef stock, and the cream. You're going to bring it to a boil. Then you're going to reduce the heat and simmer it for 20 minutes. Nice. When you've done that, you're going to sprinkle however much grated cheese you want or need on top, and then <laughs> you're going to chow down. Montana hash. So that's your Montana hash. There's also some, always with my recipes, you'll see that there's some top recipe tips underneath which show what you can sub for what, um, you know, what onions should I use. So there's some top tips at underneath the recipes which can will help you if you want to make it dairy-free or, you know, what onions or whatever. There's all that too. So there's your Monta- Montana hash. Simple, easy, delicious keto to get you uh, Mm. started in 2019. Delicious. Sounds great. Well, Carrie, that's a show. And uh, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter twitch facebook youtube and instagram at two keto dudes make sure to always use the hashtag two keto dudes and of course if you want to join the free ketogenic forum it's forum.2keto.com and you can have a look around the forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com And if you are a fan of Facebook, we also have the Keto Kitchen Facebook group. The link is below if you want to join us for all the food fun there. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. And you can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to know about what we do. Yes. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And Carrie Brown, keep calm and keto on. Yes, Carl, keep calm and keto on. And we'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.